Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. Today is a very auspicious day. Zion Adar, the day Moshe Rabbeinu passed away on his 120th birthday. And in his merit, we had the Ness of Purim and Adar, and then the Ness of Pesach. Tan the Rabban on the bottom of 26b, the last line, the last few words. Tan the Rabban, the rabbis look like the Heligim Mother. Tan the Rabban, the rabbis learn the Heligim Mother. Someone goes from place to place. And while he was traveling for business, he was told that one of his relatives passed away. He becomes a mourner. So in we continue on twenty seven name Yochla might be gay if it's if he can limit his uh, business activity if he can suspend all his business activity Yimayit then he should he should uh, restrict it because he's not allowed to engage in business in your your morning if he can it would be too much of a loss he's traveling especially like he, he has to be here and he's, he can then he goggle Continue doing business together with the others who are with him, but not by himself. Is what do you mean? If it's a loss, and for any, any, even if you're at home, you can do business. But the exception is parents. Here we're talking about even if it's for parents, even in the case of a loss. But here they made a special leniency. You're ready on a trip. You're ready on the road, and you you spend so much effort and time and effort, and you schlepped all your all your merchandise. You know, it's like a, once a year you have the big fear. What, all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna lose everything. So Rashi, in other words, we're talking about a businessman. Others say we're talking about someone who's traveling, not a businessman. You're traveling, you need basic you have to buy just the basic necessities. You're 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 not at home. At home you have necessities. So you can for seven days you don't have to shop, you don't have to do business, it's fine. But here on the road Likely that you're stuck. You're, you're away from home, so you have to buy. Otherwise, you know you don't have your basic needs. Come the rabban and the rabbis learn the mamers I cave and the samites when the mourners overturn the bed and Jesus Mepesa base the body of the deceased leaves the door of his house. Give rabbis when they take the coffin out of the house. The opinion of Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shoeimer, Rabbi Shoeimer argues, and he says, When the lid of the casket is sealed. But actually learns the Goyalom refers to the casket. When you cover the casket. So Rabbi Shoeimer is saying that even before you, he leaves the house, once you cover the casket, never to be opened again, he's sealing the casket, then already the mourning period begins. But all the other Rishayim learn, Goyalom does not refer to the casket. First to the, the the stone you put over the grave, or the marker you put over the grave. So once you cover the grave and you put a marker or anything, something on it, that's when the morning period. That's when the morning begins. That's when you have to overturn the bed. once happened to me, I'm when the elder, the first I'm but the elder I'm the grandson of Hillel, when he passed away, when they took his coffin, his body out of the door, Rabbi Lezer told them, 
time to uh, to turn your beds over. It's the Magaylo when the lid of the casket was sealed. I'm Rabbi Shur. Rabbi Shur says, "Overturn your bed." They said to him, We already overturned the words of Rabbi Lazar. And the rabbis learn, When do the mourners turn the bed upside down on Friday? Because you can't go into Shabbos morning. You have Shabbos, everything has to be back to normal. You're not allowed to display any morning. So when? From Mincha and on. Which Mincha are we referring to? This is an early Mincha, half hour from 12.30, half hour afternoon. It's the earliest time you can bring the carbon Tamid. It's called Mincha Gedoyla, from then till sunset. And then you have Mincha Ketana, the last two and a half hours before sunset, from 3.30, like 6. It's a lesser Mincha. So which Mincha are we referring to? Twelve thirty, you can already you can already uh, put the bed up. Was referring to Minchik Tana two and a half hours before. Taisa says he doesn't know. Mukiyasim says he thinks it's the latter. So it's the the, the, le, the smaller time, the lesser time, the, the smaller min. Nevertheless, any the mourner is not allowed to sit on the bed Even though you have to turn the bed over, upside, you have to turn the bed back into its upright position. But you're not allowed to actually sit on the bed until Shabbos itself. Why should you allow him to sit? He's still in the morning. You have to give him time to prepare. So ready from 3.30, you can already prepare for Shabbos, but, but to, to actually sit, you know, on Friday, that's not allowed. Even if he only has one last day left for Shiva, in other words, Shabbos, Sunday morning, he's getting up already. He has to turn the bed over again. us here is teaching us that when we say that a partial day is considered a full day, it's only in the morning. If you would say a partial day is a full day, starts the night, what's the point? Why does he have to turn his bed over? Let him sit shiva for a minute and it's over. No, and that's what we do. We don't, the shiva doesn't end at night. Shiva ends in the morning. If I sit for a minute in the morning, then it's over. We can come to Shul, say Rabban, and the rabbis learn. Someone who's obligated to overturn his bed, not only is overturn his own bed, all the beds, not only the bed he's going to sleep on, all the beds in the house also have to be uh, overturned. The whole family, everyone. Question is, is an argument about the Shainim, what about beds that are not the uh, guest room? It's not for your family. You have to join in maybe in your morning. The guest room. You have to turn those beds over or not. That's an argument in the Ramam and the Raib.
I'm sorry, the, the, Ram, the Ramban and the and the and even even if he has beds, he has ten houses. His chalet, his summer house, his house in the East Hamptons, etc. Kefes kulon. He has to overturn all of them. Even if you have five brothers, we learned earlier the purpose of overturning the bed is not you should be uncomfortable when you sleep. That was the purpose, and the bed that you sleep on is enough. It's the idea that you were created on a bed, the image of Hashem was brought into this world in a bed, and now the image of Hashem is gone, is dead, is buried. So now you have to t- turn over the bed. So all the beds that you own and all of your houses that you use, who's mourning his home. Because you, you, you have to symbolize, you have to show that, that the bed has been turned over, all the beds have been turned over. Bed where Hashem's image was created, the image of Hashem, that's been turned upside down. So all the beds have to be turned over. And even with five brothers, and one of them died, all the brothers have turned into beds and all their homes. But if it was a bed to hold utensils, not for sleep, it's not space, you don't have to overturn. Dargish. You don't have to overturn. Inside of the chpeisi. What's a dargish? The mother will explain what a dargish is. El zeikve. You should stand it upright. Shem gamlile me dargish matiris karbita v'neifem meila. A dargish. You untie its loops, and it falls unto itself. And they never become completely secular, because once. My Dargish, what's Dargish? It's a bed for good fortune. God, like God. In other words, you, you used to, the custom was they would set aside a bed that was unused, like an omen for good fortune. Or a bed, like for the guardian angel of the house. So you make a bed to honor the angel, the Malach. So how would they build this bed? They would build this bed, they would stretch a sheet of material across a wooden frame, and they would uh, tie it to the frame with loops. When you untie the loops, the sheets would fall to the ground. So you can fulfill the obligation of overturning by just removing the sleeping surface of the bed. You don't have to turn the bed upside down. That's what Shem Gamliel says. Gamliel argues with Tanakh. says it's enough to stand it up. If you stand it upright and you can't sleep in it, that's fine. He says, no, it's not enough. You have to, you have to untie the loops and allow it to fall. And therefore, it's not possible to sleep in it. If that's the case, by a king, with a mission to Torah, the king is served the mourner's meal, everyone reclines on the ground, while he, the king, reclines on the dargish. You're talking about a bed of good fortune? 
And until today, until he became a mourner, you wouldn't sit on him. And now he's a mourner, we seat him upon it. The Darius you're saying is a bed that nobody actually uses. So, so okay, he's a king and he's not in mourning. It's not proper for him to mourn in front of everyone because he always has to show, in public, he always has to maintain his dignity. But why are you elevating him? When he didn't mourn, he wouldn't sit in this bed. The bed of good fortune is not meant to sit on. Now you're elevating him, you're putting him in a bed of good fortune. Doesn't make sense. Maskul Ravashi, Ravashi asked, and Rabba's challenge to Ulu. My kushia, what's your question? What's your difficulty? It's like eating and drinking. Ah, they eat until today, till he became a mourner. We never gave him food. Who brings him food? All of a sudden, we're all acting as his catering. We're all bringing him food. So you say it's an upgrade? No, it's not a question. Because of his mourning. So, so why are you so surprised? That the because the king is in mourning, we treat him with tremendous deference at time of his mourning, and even more more than usual. If you have a question, what Ula said that Dargish is a, is a bed with a, for, made for a good omen. The question is, Daniel, the we learned the Braise, Dargish ain't you don't have to overturn the Dargish. It's enough to stand it upright. If the Dargish is a bed of good fortune, why, why wouldn't you have to overturn it? Not only the bed that you sleep in, all the beds you have to overturn. So why should this bed be any different? Yes, it's, it's, it's made for a good omen, for the guardian angel. It's not meant to sleep on. But you said all the beds have to be overturned. Even those, what's your difficulty? You yourself said a bed that's made for the utensils, where you put utensils on it, you don't have to overturn. So why is Dargish be any different? So why is this any different? So it's not a question on Ola. Dargish could be a bed that's made for good omen, and that's why you don't have to overturn it enough to stand it up or to to release the loops and let the and let it fall down if it's difficult if you have a question on Ula this is the question if you will think if you'll entertain the thought that a Dargish means is a regular bed the only thing that makes it unique is that it's a bed that's made for a good omen, like I'm dedicating a bed for my guardian angel, for the angel that's guarding my house. My kabitin is laid, and it's a regular bed. Well, why is this bed different than the other bed? It's not made with the kabitin, there's no loops. A regular bed is made of ropes wrapped around its frame. And they're, and they're permanently in place. There's no loops that can be released. So that's a question on all the... So what's the so then if, what's the definition of targish? He was the westerner, meaning from the land of Israel, 
that's west of, of Iraq, Babylonia. So in Babylonia, they referred to him as the Westerner, the West. Israel, the Westerner. They were the East, they were the West. He said, we used to frequent the leather makers' market. So he knew about leather. So he says, my Dargish, what's Dargish? Arsaditzla, a bed of leather. A bed of leather. So these were like uh, folding beds that the nobility would take with them. Was they, they, they had wooden frames with holes in their side and the loops were hung. According to this, this was a bed like any other bed. So why were the rabbis lenient? Why did they say a dargis? You don't have to overturn it, enough just to lean it against the wall or to release the loops. So he says, because if you're going to turn it over, it's going to ruin the leather. The leather will touch the earth and just ruin it. In this case, the rabbis were lenient, said you don't have to turn it over. It you also learned. Rabbi Yimri, Rabbi Yimri said, dargis has its binding from within the leather straps that attach the leather sheet to the frame. So it's inserted through the holes in the sideboard of the frame. But a regular bed is binding the ropes that support are wrapped around the sideboards of the frame. They don't pass through it. It's wrapped around it. See the picture here? It's wrapped, the regular bed is wrapped around the frame. The rope's wrapped around it and it's permanent. Here it's looped through the holes on the sides and you can, you can untie it and it'll just fall down there. That it's not enough to, 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 to stand it up, but you have to untie the loops. We also learn a bed was double post, a two-poster canopy, two canopy bed. You stand it upright and it's enough because you can't turn it over. It's not possible to turn it over because of the, the, the posts, the double posts. So it's not possible. So, so it's enough to just stand it up as long as he can't use it. Come up one of the rabbis learn if he did not overturn his bed, but instead slept in a chair, or in a large mortar, mortar he used to crush spices, kernels, agabi karka. Gedalim is even better. Gedalim is even worse. Even worse than that. Gedalim is even worse here. That he was on Gabi Karka, he slept on the ground, even more uncomfortable than, than sleeping on a, on, on a chair. Or on the large mortar, but nevertheless, all these cases, they didn't fulfill his obligation. Rabbi Echna, what do you mean? He didn't fulfill the obligation of overturning the bed. Of course, he himself was uncomfortable. He slept in the, in the right way, it was the way a mortar should sleep. But nevertheless, you have to overturn the bed. 
It has nothing to do with you sleeping in discomfort and that. Like we said, otherwise the, the, word, the obligation wouldn't apply to all of your beds. It would only apply to the bed that you're sleeping in. So you didn't fulfill that obligation. Tanrabban and the rabbis learn. You're allowed to sweep my bits and you're allowed to sprinkle water on the ground to settle the dust. Raise off on the house of morning. And it's okay. And you're allowed to wash, rinse out plates, cups, jars, bottles. All in the house of mourning, it's okay. You're not allowed to bring incense and spices in the house of mourning. Because that's already indulgence. To keep clean, that's not indulgence. Keeping clean, even when you're mourning, you have to be clean. You can't say, I'm too, my emotions are suits and missions are tumult. I, I can't pay attention to this. It's, not, it's a sign of humanity. A person is clean. It's a sign of mental kindness. A person is not clean, lives like a chazah. Something is wrong with it. You know, something is wrong with it. But indulgence, aromatic, and today, that, that's already beyond that. You don't do anymore. What it ain't is, is so, but Tandi Bakapadre, Bakapadre, Tot, Eme Vorchlel, and Mugnav, some, and Vesavil, not allowed to recite a bracha on incense and spice now in the morning. So, what do we see from here? You're only not allowed to make a bracha. Asu, you may see me allowed to bring it. If you're not allowed to bring it, it wouldn't even come up. How can you make a bracha if it's not even there? It's there, and it's present. And nevertheless, you don't make a bracha. But I answer like Kasha, it's not a contradiction. The price that says you're not allowed to bring spices, not to bring spices to the house of the mourner himself, because that's for the pleasure, for the indulgence of the mourner, that's not allowed. The price that says you're not allowed to make a bracha is referring to the house of the consolers, the room where the the room where the mourners sit when they're accepting condolences, they're allowed to bring for those who are who are offering the condolences. But he says you don't. The mourner is not allowed to. The mourner is not allowed to make a bracha. The Rishonim say the exact opposite. If the body is still in the house, and therefore you bring the spices, so the body shouldn't smell the house. And that's what then. You're allowed to bring spice, but you don't make a bracha because the purpose is not for you to smell for your enjoyment. To keep away the bad smell, like uh, like in the bathroom, you have a spritz, right? So that's that. You don't make a bracha when you use spices in the bathroom and use uh, that scent. It's not for the good smell; it's just to keep away the bad smell. However, once the body is removed. And oh yeah, and then the, that's when the comforters start coming. When the body is dead, the dead body is there, and the corpse is there. You don't, the mourners don't come. It's only after you remove the body and you bury the dead, then the mor- the comforters start coming. And of course, you should. Then, you, then you go out to bring. No, then you're not allowed to bring spices because it's not appropriate. The indulgence, pleasant aroma when you're sitting in mourning. Actually, know some of the Next Mishnah, you're not allowed to deliver food for the morning meal, not on a tray, not in a large bowl, not in a large basket, with a plain basket. And you don't have a 
In other words, it's not you can't deliver it elegantly. You know, pack it, it's all in the packaging. It has to be simple. Person is the morning. Name the brichas You don't cite. You don't say the morning's blessing. They used to. They used to when the person came back from the cemetery. They used to offer the first meal while he was still in the street. And during the meal, they would conclude the meal with a special blessing. Baruch It was called the street blessing. And you would only say it if he had a minion. And you would also repeat this blessing any time during the shiva if you would have a new person who wasn't present. By the original blessing. Some say you say it even over wine. Anyway, so you don't say but we stand in a row and console even a chalamoid. The Peyton said, Abim. And then we dismiss, we dismiss the public. In other words, there's no reason to hang out anymore. Because you're not going to do the meal in the street. You're not doing the special blessing with Avelim because it's chalamoid. So now go home. We, did the, we stood in line, we comforted them, and now it's over. There's no shiva now until uh, till after Yamta. We don't uh, set down the, the beer in the street and chalamayit or for eulogies. For a Torah scholar, you're allowed to eulogize in chalamayit. But nevertheless, we don't put it not in the street, not in public. We don't encourage eulogies for bid in chalamayit. In other words, you don't want other people to learn. Well, if you do it for the Torah scholar, then we're going to do it for, for, for a regular person. Others say that he's referring to regular people. Don't set them down because it may encourage people to start eulogizing it. On the way, on the way to the cemetery, don't put it down. Don't stop in the in the street. That's during chalamoy. Women, you never set it down in the street. They're covered because of their dignity. What dignity? Blood may flow. And stain their shrouds it should be a big embarrassment. Okay. That's the mission. In the beginning, they would bring food to a house of mourning. For the wealthy, they would deliver in baskets of silver and gold. And the poor, the solid and sun in baskets of peeled willow twigs. When the poor would feel ashamed, so they enacted, everyone should bring the solid and sun Even the wealthiest person, the billionaire, also his meal is brought in a basket of peeled willow twigs. Especially at a time like this, which reminds you that it doesn't matter if you have billions, you know. You experience death like anyone else, and you die with you don't take a penny with you, and everyone it's an equalizer. Death is an equalizer, it reminds you what's real in life. All the money in the world is not going to protect you, it doesn't give you wealth. I mean, health, life, existence this is all from Hashem. So, therefore, it equalizes everyone. 
the rabbis beginning they would serve drinks the wealth would be served in vessels of white glass and the poor in vessels of colored glass the poor people were ashamed embarrassed they enacted everyone even the wealthiest will also receive their drinks in uh, vessels of colored glass in the honor of the poor in the beginning, they would leave the faces of the wealthy uncovered. Those who had died, they would leave them uncovered. To get them to cry. Look, he's wealthy. Look how handsome he is. Robust. Well fed. And he died. The gunners got home from the same friend. Didn't help him. So it would have aroused the crying. If this could happen to the billionaire, he couldn't save himself. But the poor, they would cover their faces. Their faces were blackened by famine. The poor would be embarrassed. They enacted everyone's faces covered. The honor of the poor. That's why also the shrouds, everything today is equal. Simple shroud, doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Simple coffin, simple shroud. But they would take out the corpse. We already just learned this. And the poor people would take them out. The Kaliba. And the beer, a targus is a proper bed. A cleaver, I guess, is like a beer. So, you know, two poles and the. So they were embarrassed. So they enacted everyone should be taken out on a beer. Out of respect for the poor. Originally, they replaced incense into those who died with intestinal disorder to mask the unpleasant odor coming from the corpse. And the living who were also afflicted with intestinal disorders would feel ashamed. Why? Because they realize what's going to happen to them when they die. And this tells the whole world, notifies the whole world why they died. That they had a problem, they had a sickness. Internal sickness, intestinal sickness. The rabbis enacted that they should put incense under everyone. So no one should make He couldn't tell the difference. He couldn't don't know this one died because of intestinal difficulties. Because of the menstruating woman who had died. So the, so the utensils they use before they die, they would dip them into mikvah. But you need this highest misbaisha, the living menstruant would feel ashamed that they were treated, that they were treated like a unique uh, group. Or that they would be remembered, or that they would, even after they die, would, they would still remember that they were impure. Even after they died, they're, they're, they're dipping, they're immersing the utensils. That all women, 
immerse all their utensils, all women at time. The question is not to single out, but to embarrass those who, who are menstruating. But it's shame the beginning of Pilan Kabbalah is amazing. Originally, they would immerse utensils on the count of a Zav who died. While he died, he was in the state of Zav, gonorrhea, and anything he touched became impure. They would immerse his utensils. Why is Zav and is Baishan in the living Zav and feel ashamed? And everyone's going to remember their impurity. When he dies, they're going to remember. You see, they're taking all of his vessels to the mikveh. He enacted it under all circumstances. All those who died, they're going to immerse all their utensils into the mikveh. The creatures of Chayim, out of the dignity to show for the Zavin who are alive. But the in the beginning, in the beginning, the expense of burying the deceased was harder on the relatives than his death. It was so expensive. You know how much a funeral was? Someone in my community came complain to me that you know, she doesn't have the money. Make, she, has, she doesn't have any family. She's all alone. She has to make her own arrangements. The cheapest funeral with everything, with everything like sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000. doesn't have doesn't want to be buried in Potter's Field or, or Jewish Potter's Field. Potsky. Huh? Potsky's Field. Potsky's Field. Potsky. <laughs> he wants, uh, you know, but so, so, so what happened? People just abandoned the body. It was too much. They couldn't afford it. They couldn't pay it. They would go bankrupt. came and treated himself lightly. He also became Pishton. By going on a plain linen garment. Because before that, the wealthier you are, you have to buy a designer's, a designer <laughs> shrouds. No designer shrouds. shroud, right. Simplest, simplest linen. So now it became more affordable. Today, the custom is to dress the dead, even in coarse canvas, worth only a zuz. A zuz. A zuz. A quarter. Yeah, the zuz. The Mishnah says, You're not allowed to place the bed on the street. I'm going to pop. There's no chalamayim before the, 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 the Torah scholar. There's no prohibition of eulogizing the Torah scholar. Put him much more so. Hanukkah put him. You're allowed to, even though you're not allowed to eulogize anyone else, a regular person. But the Torah scholar, you can eulogize even Hanukkah and put him. It's only in the presence of the beer. Not in the present time. We're not allowed to Hanukkah put him in Cholamit. Thank you, but it's not so. He was in a different town, the city of Pumnar. You see, even if he's not present, you're allowed to eulogize the Talmud Chacham and Cholamit of Rapapi. How much more so Hanukkah put him? Yes, it was in the presence of Rabzavid. But it was the day that they found out that he passed away. Therefore, come in front of Dhammi, which is like the same, like present. Of course, there's no present. He's buried already. But since that's when they found out that he passed away, so it's as if, it's as if the, he was in, in this presence. Amarulul said, Hesped Alev. 
When it says Hesped, the Torah, it refers to Alev, beating on the chest. Upon the breast, they will beat. It's an Isaiah. And he's calling the women to come out and express the grief of the great tragedy that's going to befall Israel. He says, come. So what do you mean eulogize? It doesn't mean eulogize the breast. It means express grief by pounding your breast. So Hesped, Hesped is Alev. Tipuach, but yeah, when it says Tipuach, it's using the Mishnah. It's not an expression in the Tanakh, but in the Mishnah, it means clapping with your hands, clapping your hands together. Patching your hands. Kilus Bedego. When it says Kilus, that's mentioned in the Tanakh, in the Book of Kings. Tilim. It says Kilus means stamping with your feet on the ground. So you would beat the chest, clap your hands, and stamp your feet. That was an expression of grief. So at the funeral, they would do all three. Clap, uh, clap, beat your chest, clap your hands, and stamp your feet. Okay. Tell the rabbis learn. When you stamp your feet in mourning, don't stamp it with a when the sandal. You should stamp it with a shoe. Yes, I can't know, because it's dangerous. You're gonna break your feet. <laughs> You're gonna stamp your feet because the sandal can, can slip your, your foot can slip out of your sandal it's just strapped on your foot it's easy to slip out so you're going to stamp it with such force that, that you, may, you may slip away you're going to break, you, break your feet on the ground Versus a shoe is solid. The shoe is not uh, slipping off. Once he nods his head, he's nodding his head, he's saying goodbye. People say the stupidest things during the all year round, but especially uh, especially by the shiva, and they, they think they're saying something clever and smart. They just when he nods his head, just just leave goodbye. You know, they don't hang out like a nudnik and <laughs> being more grief. You're not allowed to sit there anymore. Also, he nods his head, he accepts it. Okay, I accept, I understand. Hashem made death, and uh, fine. You don't have to. I got the message. You don't have to, you don't have to continue to comfort him. Rabbi Yechon says, See, everyone has to stand up in front of the Nasi, except someone who's sitting shiva. Someone who's sick, you don't get up. Even if the, the Nasi walks in, the Rebbe walks in, the Oval is not allowed to get up. But a Mashiach walks in. Because it says you have to stand up for, for a Torah scholar because out of honor, out of reverence. But it's, it's not a sign of reverence. The question would be on Tishabov. When everyone is sitting on the ground, you have to, if a Tamil <laughs> walks in, do you have to stand up? Well, no, everyone is in mourning. So someone who's an oval, someone who's sick, he doesn't have to get up. Everyone else, you say, sit, be seated. 
if you stand in front of a Nasi, you're not allowed to sit down until the Nasi tells you, sit down. Don't tell a mourner, sit. <laughs> As if you're telling him, please, sit in mourning and stay in mourning. In other words, even even if they do rise for whatever reason, they didn't have to rise. Even if they do rise, don't tell them to sit. They can sit without permission. In the morning, the first day of morning, is not allowed to eat his own bread. He has, he has to be served his first meal. It's all food, but bread he means a meal. There's a good discussion whether it means the first meal or all any meal that day. Where do we know this from? And the merciful Hashem said, Don't eat. You should not act like a mourner. You're going to lose your wife, but don't act like a mourner. And the bread of other people you shall not eat. From this we learn that every mourner has to eat bread from other people, not his own bread. Exchange a meal with each other. In other words, one of them was a morning, the other one would send them a meal. So maybe they were both a morning, but each one sent them the other meal, so none of them ate their own meal, they were eating someone else's meal. It wasn't like an exchange they made up, this just happened to me. If it's a made up, then like I'm buying, then it becomes mine. I'm buying your meal, you're buying my meal, so, so what? But it just happened, they just exchanged meals. He gave him his meal, gave him his meal, and that was fine. That person in town, everyone in town is not allowed to do work during the funeral. What kind of work are we talking about there? You have to close your story. You have to. The arrived in the town of They heard the sound of the shofar. It was news of a death. He saw people engaging in work. Should be excommunicated. Isn't there a dead person in town? Why are you working? How dare you continue to work while during the funeral? They said, Here we have a Chavra Kaddish. We have a special society. So there's no need for us to to, win, to deal with the, with the court. Um, if that's the case, then you're allowed to. It's only if you need everyone in town to help out. Then you're not allowed. If so, one grieves too much, excessive grief. will ultimately weep for another disease. He'll be punished. Yes, the Torah says you have to mourn and you have to cry. And someone who doesn't mourn is called a cruel person. Anyone who approaches it scientifically and logically says, listen, everyone dies. So why am I getting so worked up? It's the way of life. There's no death. I'm enlightened. If there's no death, there's no life. What's the meaning of life if there's no death? If there's no up, there's no down, there's no right, there's no left. If there's no grief, there's no joy. It's part of life. I'm enlightened. So the Taylor says, not only aren't you enlightened, you're darkened, you're a cruel and evil person. If you don't feel the tragedy of death, you don't mourn, and you don't cry, something wrong with you. But for that same reason, also, if you mourn too much, there's also something wrong with you. 
Shama went out to a good place. Why, why are you crying? Shama is happy. You love them, and that's why you're crying, because you miss them. But also be happy for them. So the same halacha, you have to cry. If you don't cry, there's something very wrong with you. But he, not, a, not excessive. Tate it says, first day, and then you have the three days of Bechi, and then you have the seventh, then you have 30, and then you have a year. And, you know, you have to, you can't. There was a woman who lived in Abuna's neighborhood. She had seven sons. One of them died. She wept too much excessively over him. Don't do so. Stop. She didn't listen. Shalach lo yisenter. It's high so much. If you're gonna listen to me, it's fine. Loi. So it's about the lidach. Make make shrouds for the next son. And she didn't listen. Miss the other son died. Or Miss Kula. Eventually they all died. She kept mourning even more. She kept excessive and excessive. Finally, said to prepare your own shrouds. Miss she also died. You know, you create your own your own reality. You start crying and crying and crying. Hashem is interactive. We are sad. Hashem is sad. We are joyful. Hashem is joyful. So if, if you cried excessively, when the Torah says don't cry excessively, you're not in touch with the reality. The Hashem is in a good place. Yes, you have to cry because you miss him and you love him, but. There's a God in this world. At the end of the day, Hashem knows what He's doing. And Hashem is happy. And Hashem is in a good place. And stop. Lie. Live. You want to do something for your son that passed away? Live even more. Intensify your life. Deepen your life. Do even more. Become more active. More robust. More vibrant. More alive. Not play dead. And she played dead. My life was over. Can you imagine if the Holocaust survivors after the Holocaust would act like this woman? They'd all lie down and start crying. There would be no Jewish life today. They picked themselves up and they remarried and they rebuilt. That's the Jewish way. Mm-hmm. He didn't listen. He didn't act the, the Jewish way. That's what happened. The biggest tragedy. They all died and she herself died. And if we acted this way, Yiddish guy would have died. Everything would have died. That's not the way. Don't cry for the seas. It says in the Pasuk, in Jeremiah, means don't cry too much. Excessive. Not shake your head for him beyond the measure. Tell the is a measure. Okay, Three days for weeping, for crying. Seven days for lamenting. Thirty days to refrain from, from ironing your clothes and taking your haircut. From here on, I'm going to you are more compassionate for the seas than I am. Hashem feels our pain more than we do. You think we have more compassion than Hashem does? If Hashem took his life, Hashem has his reason. So don't, don't mourn excessively. And the continuation of the verse, cry intensely for one who leaves. Cry for someone who leaves this world without sun. First, he says, don't cry. And then he says, cry intensely. He's referring to someone who leaves the world, completely left the world. 
means he didn't even leave over any children. Shubalevi, Shubalevi would not visit a house in mourning. Elul Mandazu Balevin. None of mine. No, Elul Mandazu Balevin, except for one who departed without any surviving son. See, it says, cry intensely when he leaves, because he will not return again and see the land of his birthplace. He didn't leave a son to continue his family heritage. So that's that's the real tragedy. And that's when he would go to, to the house of Mordecai. He first is someone who commits a sin and repeated this. Because the Yashavayid, Abhun interpreted means he won't do tshuva, he won't repent. That someone who did a, did a sin twice, he won't repent. He won't repent. Since he, did it, since he sinned twice, you know, someone said, if you sin once, you feel guilty. You sin twice. You feel less guilty. It's in three times it becomes a mitzvah. It becomes a whole crusade. It becomes a, now you start parading in the street. <laughs> and you sin four times, then you start shoving it down everyone else's throat and insist that everyone else also sin with you. So it means halich. It means if you go in, if you follow your heart's desires, you just do whatever you want, whatever pleases you. So therefore, he's not going to see heaven. He won't do tshuva, etc. Avuna, the time made Avuna is consistent with his reasoning. It becomes permitted to him. And the third time becomes a mitzvah. What do you mean? Permitted. It becomes like it's okay. We do this all the time. It's our custom. It becomes like a minig. That's my custom. That's what I do. That's my custom. I'm Rabbi Levi. Of the mourner, the first three days of mourning, you should uh, you should view yourself like a sword is lying within his thighs because you're also in danger. Since your family was is attacked, so therefore you can also there's tremendous accusation now against your family. So you you're also in danger. You're also at risk. Shiva from three days to, to the end of Shiva, okay, now it's a little further removed. It's like in the corner. But still, the sword is there. The danger is there. The risk is there. Because all this passing in front of him in the street. Until I guess the end of Shlashim or the end of, the end of the year for Paris. You know, we'll stop over here to be continued. Have a wonderful day.